Hello and welcome to this week's episode of History Hut. For this episode, we are going to talk about the first civilization known as Mesopotamia. And we're going to jump back to the fourth millennium for this, somewhere around the years 4000 to 3500 BCE, for those of you who prefer the more secular term for history, which is why I use BCE, or BC for those of you who are unfamiliar with the term. For this episode and every episode herein, I will just be using the term BCE. Also, a point to note on this as well, because there's a lot to cover about Mesopotamia, it's impossible to cover it in just one episode. So I'm going to break it into two episodes. And even that is still not enough. You can get a whole year out of this, actually, if you really go into detail, which I think I will do in the future as well. So very exciting stuff coming up in the future with Mesopotamia, different ancient civilizations, the Egyptians, uh, the, the Chinese dynasties and so on. But for now, just kind of an overview of it really. Okay, so now that we have that cleared up, let's begin. Mesopotamia, which is present day Iraq, Syria and Kuwait, is considered the oldest civilization known to historians. The name originates from the Greek words for middle, which in Greek is mesos, and river, potamos. So mesopotamos. Of course, it's just been anglicized to Mesopotamia. And it means a country between two rivers. Mesopotamia emerged around 3,500 years ago, BCE, between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. However, it was not a single culture, that's important to know, but rather a region with many cultures, a lot of them, which we will discuss shortly as well. So don't worry too much about that. We will get into it. Now, among the world's first urban cities, they included Babylon, Ashur and Akkad. They were located, of course, in Mesopotamia. However, to comprehend Mesopotamia, we must first learn about its founding fathers, so to speak. The region known as Sumer, some people call it Summer, so it depends on who you're talking to, was located in south central Iraq and was inhabited by a people called the Sumerians. I'm just going to call it Sumer for now, okay, so there's no confusion there. Now, while historians debate the name, most refer to the civilization as Sumer. The origins of Sumerians are unknown, but evidence suggests that the area was permanently settled by West Asian people who spoke the Sumerian language somewhere between 5,500 and 4,000 BCE. This is supported by the names of cities and rivers, basic occupations, and a non-Semitic and non-Indo-European language isolate. Other historians have also suggested that the Sumerians were a North African people who migrated from the Green Sahara into what is now the Middle East and were also responsible for the spreading of farming there. But as I said, historians are uncertain of the Sumerian people's origin. Again, a recent genetic analysis conducted in 2013 on four ancient Mesopotamian skeletal DNA samples suggests 
in association of the Sumerians with the Indus Valley Civilization, which was located in the northwestern area of South Asia. Yeah, so if you can grasp that, northwestern area of South Asia. This was possibly as a result of ancient Indo-Mesopotamian uh, relations and according to some data the Sumerians are also associated with the Hurrians who came from northern Syria and northeastern Anatolia. Also another group called the Urartians which is located in the Armenian highlands. So as you can imagine it is tough for historians to pinpoint the exact origin of the Sumerians but if you can take a second to actually just picture the locations I just mentioned, then you can probably guess it is not far from where the Sumerians settled in today's southern Iraq. So if you can picture, for example, Iraq, now kind of central Iraq and southern Iraq, and to your right-hand side, then you have uh, India, South Asia, and so on. So yeah, of course, it's a large area to cover, but it's somewhere from there, they think. Okay, so historians have discovered that the people of Sumer referred to themselves as black-headed ones or black-headed people. This information was obtained through the deciphering of the cuneiform, that's what it's called, the cuneiform writing system. Some people call it cuneiform as well. Again, it really does depend on who you're talking to. Some historians pronounce it one way, some historians pronounce it the other. So it's it's actually spelled C-U-N-E-I-F-O-R-M. So it's it's your choice, whatever you want to do. I'm just going to call it cuneiform for now. So uh, which th th this cuneiform system involves making kind of, kind of wedge-shaped markings on clay tablets. I think if you if you Google cuneiform text, cuneiform writing, you'll see it. It's wedge-shaped. So scholars like... Uh, it was a German scholar, his name was George Friedrich Gottfried, were among the first to decipher the system. With Gottfried being the first decipher to, uh, the first person to decipher the old Persian cuneiform text in 1802. Other sources such as uh, the Sumerian king Shulgai also referred to himself as the king of the four quarters or the pastor of the black-headed people. The Akkadians, the Akkadians, not to be confused with Arcadians. Okay, so I just want to make sure on that that you're clear. So the Akkadians, who lived in Mesopotamia and were also known as the Sumerians, also used the term black headed people or Salmat Kakadi. I hope I'm pronouncing that right in their Semitic Akkadian language. Now, I mentioned old Persian cuneiform text because the Sumerian people's writing evolved over time into different dialects, just like any language, I guess. And the Persian form was the most commonly used and also the most commonly discovered by archaeologists. Sumerian was widely used until the Phoenician language merged in the first millennium BCE, which became the dominant script at the time. Cuneiform is also the script used in one of the world's earliest literary works, the Epic of Gilgamesh. Okay, that's the name of it, the Epic of Gilgamesh. Uh, you should really look it up. It's it's really cool. 
I think it's really cool because it's so old as well. Anyone that has any interest in ancient civilizations, ancient history in general, you've probably heard of it. So it's a really good uh, look up. You should do it. I really recommend it. Okay, so Mesopotamians, they used writing, of course, for various purposes, just like we do nowadays. But they used the for such as recording sales uh, and purchases, writing letters, telling stories, and so on. Now, the Sumerians are credited with, this is a fun fact for the day, they are credited with inventing the wheel. Now, there you go. Anyone ever ask you where or who invented the wheel? The Sumerians are credited with that. So the earliest discovered wheel is dating back to 3500 BCE in Mesopotamia. That's what it is. If anyone knows any more, comment on it. Do what you want. Uh, it'd be really uh, interesting to find out more about that. So the Sumerians were literally trailblazers in shipbuilding. They were magnificent. So you have to remember this is like 3000 to 5000 years BCE. So enabling them to, you know, expertly navigate the Persian Gulf and establish lucrative trade relationships with various ancient civilizations. That was, that was amazing. They exhibited, I think, an unbridled curiosity and unyielding ambition that propelled them to explore uncharted territories, literally beyond their borders, so to speak, when I broadly use that term, borders. Uh, but with great skill and finesse, they, def they, they definitely negotiated and traded their high quality textiles, leather goods, uh, and jewelry for the highly coveted, what is called Harappan semi-precious stones, copper, pearls, and ivory. Now the Sumerians practiced a rich and diverse religion, worshiping multiple gods, multiple gods, many of whom resembled humans, polytheistic. Their devotion was expressed through the construction of magnificent temples atop uh, towering ziggurats. Now they're called ziggurats. It's kind of like cigarettes, but it's pronounced ziggurats, spelled Z or Z, depending on if you're using British English or American English. So uh, Z-I-G-G-U-R-A-T-S, ziggurats. And these were unique step-shaped structures found in all the major Mesopotamian cities. And I think these awe-inspiring mo monuments were built using only mud and baked bricks and required the labor of well, countless worshippers really over many many years to complete using of course the limited tools available at the time yet there was no machinery nothing like that so a, a lot of i think mystery as well going into them because this was around the time just maybe before the uh, construction of the Great Pyramids of Giza, and we still don't know how they built that. We have a lot of theories, but no proof, no evidence of it. So we can, I think, only guess, we can speculate, but I think that's one of the great things about history as well, that you can speculate, make up your mind. Um, as I said before, uh, to friends and so on, history gives us a lot of answers about the past, but in my opinion, it leaves us with a lot more questions as well, and I think that's what's so great about history. And I think a lot of people who have a passion for history would probably agree with me on that. Okay, so before we wrap up our discussion on the Sumerians, 
I just want to make sure I share some important information about their predecessors, family lines and other related details. Prior to the emergence of the Sumerians, there existed a group of individuals known as the Proto-Euphradians or Ubedians, who are believed to have originated from the Samara culture located in the northern region of Mesopotamia. Scholars have attributed the establishment of the first civilization in Sumer to the Ubedians. Okay, so that's important to know there. Now, despite the fact that the Sumerians themselves did not make mention of them either, okay? Now, the Ubedians contributed to the development of agriculture by clearing marshes, facilitated trade, possibly with the Indo Valley civilization, as we were just talking about, and established a variety of industries such as weaving, leatherworking, metalworking, masonry, pottery, and so on. So many different things. Scholars have also been debating the possibility of a Proto-Euphradian or Substrat language for some time. Some of them actually suggest that the Sumerian language may have originated from the hunting and fishing communities in the marshlands and Eastern Arabia littoral region okay so these who were a part of the arabian what is called bifacial culture however there are no reliable historical records from sumer before the early dynastic uh, period uh, this would actually to be more precise the first early dynastic period now these periods i will get into uh, later as well so i'll make a lot more sense for you just on a keynote for that early, that first early dynastic period, that is generally dated to around 2900 to 2350 BCE. And it actually followed the Uruk and what is called the Jemdat Nasser periods as well. So if you haven't heard of bifacial culture, what it is, it's basically uh, bifacial is, it's actually a type of sharp stone um, and it's, it's a hand axe. And what I mean by hand axe is there is no handle. Your arm is the handle. So if you can picture yourself just basically holding a rock in your hand, that's what it is. Now this um this type of rock, it, it looks like an almond with a pointed end and a rounded base on it. So if you can picture having that rounded base in your hand with a tip on it, and both faces of the axe have been partially cleared of you know natural cortex and, and stuff like that. Now, these hand axes, basically, uh, are part of a group of tools or weapons called bifaces, which is where the name bifacial culture came from because they were so popular at the time. They have two faces, two faces. That's the one important one to know. Now, some historians think, and some archaeologists as well, of course, uh, people used, they think that people used to hammer nails with it, while others believe it was a weapon used to literally bludgeon someone to death you know if they hold it in your hand it's like using the rock to bludgeon someone to death uh we just we just don't know for sure what it was but i suppose it could have been used for both purposes as well when you think about it you now if you use a modern hammer yeah it's used to you know hammer nails into a piece of wood for example but it can also be used as a lethal weapon Okay, so the Uruk period from the 4th millennium BCE saw the flourishing of the Sumerian civilization. 
which continued to prosper during the Jemdat Nasser and early dynastic periods. Similar to present-day societies, conflicts were not uncommon for the ancient Sumerians, leading to their eventual conquest by Semitic states from the northwest. The Akkadian Empire, ruled by Semitic-speaking kings, gained control in 2270 BCE. Now, despite this, Sumerian, the Sumerian, uh, Sumerian people remained actually uh, with it a sacred language. The Sumerian language remained a sacred language and experienced uh, actually a resurgence during the third dynasty of Ur. And that was between 2100 and 2000 BCE, even while Akkadian was still in use. Okay, so when the Akkadians took over, the language, the Sumerian language, plummeted and plummeted and plummeted. And yeah, it just experienced a resurgence then as well. Okay, so let's talk about the oldest city-states of Mesopotamia. In the late 4th millennium BCE, the region of Sumer was a land of great independence. Its cities were separated by canals and boundary stones, each with its own central temple devoted to patron god or goddess. Remember those ziggurats I was talking about? Yeah, those. The rule of the city-states was in the hands of either a priestly governor, which was known as an enzai, or a king, which was known as a lugal, so who was closely associated with the religious practices of the city. Today, we focus on the five first cities that are believed to have existed during the pre-dynastic kingship era which I'll actually be able to get that into the next episode as well. So just to make more time for it. So just before I talk about pre-dynastic and uh, dynastic periods, I, I think it's best to clarify a timeline for those uh, who are unfamiliar with these periods, because I did mention a lot about these periods so far. And for now, I think it's just best to uh, clarify it up as well. So firstly, it begins with the Ubayid period. That was from 6,500 to 4,100 BCE, or the Neolithic to Calcolithic age. Then we have the Uruk period, which was 4,100 to 2,900 BCE. Now that's late Calcolithic to early Bronze Age. Then we have uh, in this Uruk period is the uh, Uruk 14th uh, to 5th period, and that was from 4,100 to 3,300. Uh, BCE. Next up, we have the Uruk the Fourth period, three thousand three hundred to three thousand one hundred BCE. Then we move into the Jemdet Nasser period. Talked about this already. Now this is is known as well as the Uruk Three period. Okay, this is the Jemdet Nasser period slash Uruk Three period. 3100 to 2900 BC. Now we move into the early dynastic period, which was the early Bronze Age as well. Now this uh, early dynastic period is divided up into four subcategories, like I mentioned before. The first early dynastic period was 2900 to 2800 BC. Early dynastic period 2, 2800 to 2600 BCE. Then we, what we have is called Early Dynastic 3A, that's 3A period, 2600 to 2500 BCE. And the Early Dynastic 
1133 B period, approximately 2500 to 2334 BCE. So that's that period gone. Next up, we have the Akkadian Empire. Uh, that period was uh, approximately 2334 to 2218 BCE. That was around the time of the Sargon period. In the, the, he was the, he was the king. But we will get more into detail on that. Next up, we have the Gutan Gutian period, 2218 to 2047 BCE. That's the early Bronze Age there as well. And last, we have the Ur three period 2047 to 1940 bce okay so now that we've gone through over the timeline let's talk about city states okay so for the city states first up we have eridu eridu is undisputedly one of the oldest cities in sumeria situated on the coast of the Persian Gulf. This city is believed to be the product of the amalgamation of the three distinct cultures. The first one is the peasant Ubedian farmers who lived in mud brick huts and practiced irrigation. The second one is the mobile Semitic uh, pastoralists who lived in black tents and followed herds of sheep and goats. And finally, we have the last culture is the fishing people who resided in reed huts in the marshlands and are believed to be actually the ancestors of the Sumerians. No hard evidence on that, but they were just believed to be that. Bad Tibera. Bad Tibera, wall of the copper workers, famously known as the fortress of the smiths, is situated at modern Tel Al Medina, also called Tel Medina located between Ash Shatra and Tal Ash Sankara in southern Iraq. The city was recognized as Dur Goguri in, the, in Akkadian, whereas Greek authors like Barossus mentioned it as Pantibiblos. Moreover, there is an alternative version of the city's name, Patibira, meaning the canal of the smiths. Larak. As per the Sumerian king list, Larak was among the five powerful cities that ruled before a catastrophic flood. In Sipad Zidana, the king of Larak was one, uh, was the only one mentioned in the list. The city is also referenced in the Lament for Ura, which you should look that up. Actually, it's really interesting. You find a lot of information there. Now, although the city's archaeological evidence is yet to be discovered, it is believed to have been situated near a scene in the east of Kish. Okay, so all kind of southern Iraq area. Zimbar. Zimbar is a city situated in the, on the east bank of the Euphrates River in the Babylonian region. The significant landmark in modern-day Tel Abu Haba, near Eustophia, in Iraq's Baghdad governorate. The city's Tel, an artificial mound created by successful settlements, debris, is a, it's actually a testament to the enduring legacy of ancient civilization. It's still there. I would really, really like to see it one day. If any of you have ever been there, please let me know and what it was like. Uh, you can look at pictures of it, but of course, no, nothing beats being there. Now, this location is positioned 69 kilometers north of uh, Babylon and 30 kilometers southwest of Baghdad. Zippar was also known as Zippar Yarurum and had a sister city called Zippar Amnu Num, located at Tel Edir. And lastly, we have Shurapak, famously called the Healing Place. 
and is situated on the banks of the Euphrates River in Iraq's Al-Qadisiyah government, governed, I should say, southeast of central Iraq, presently known as Tel Farah. Uh, this location has a rich history and uh, a lot of significance here. So yeah, I'll, it's really, really cool. Now, there were, of course, lots of other cities and towns that existed. However, they were considered less significant in terms of size, population, and so on. So it is also important to mention that historians believe there were older cities than the ones we just talked about. But at this time, archaeologists have just been unable to locate them yet. Just yet. So hopefully in my lifetime, it will uh, happen. I hope. Uh, yeah, so there we go for this episode. We want to leave it there. And in part two of the first civilization slash Mesopotamia, we're going to talk more about the different periods uh, because we've covered the city states and so on. But now in the next episode, we will go into detail about the periods, the Ubayyad period, for example, um, the Uruk periods, the Akkad period, early dynastic period. So we will talk a lot about them as well. So other than that, thanks for listening and see you in the next episode.